This is Ed Cashmark, the Everyday Economist, keeping my eye on the economy every day for you, with no bluster, no bias, and no bull. April 29, 2020. Awful lot of information uh, to share with you again today. Let's get right to it. Mortgage applications for the week of uh, April 24th were down 3.3%, with the purchase index up 12%, and the refinance index down 7%. The pending home sales index for March came out today. Uh, The prior was... 2.2% 2.2% in February. The consensus was for a 10% decline, and the actual was a 20.8% decline. So this basically suggests that uh, uh, one to two months from now is going to be, we're going to see v- a lot of weakness in home sales, obviously, because nobody right now can get out to look at a home or buy a home. And it remains to be seen how many of those contracts are actually canceled if people can't move in when they wanted to move in. So this is definitely going to cause a massive disruption in the real estate market for the next few months. Uh, An interesting number came out today, the State Street Investor Confidence Index for April. Uh, The prior number for March was 73.7. The actual number for April was... 73. So it barely budged. How about that? Well, that almost every other indicator is looking just absolutely horrible. Investor confidence has barely budged. Well, that uh, is obviously has a lot to do with all of the stimulus uh, being offered by the Congress as well as the Federal Reserve and stock market uh, stock investors like that. So they're looking forward. They're not looking back. So that's good news because if investors are confident, then hopefully uh, people will see the market uh, react accordingly and a higher stock market would make people feel more wealthy and that always helps to support, if not drive, economic growth in the short to medium term or long term too. But Right now, nobody's really looking long-term right now. We're all pretty much looking short-term as to how in the, he- how in the heck we're going to get out of this and how long it's going to take. Survey of business uncertainty came out. I'm not quite familiar with this. Uh, looks like it's from the Atlanta Fed. I'm not quite familiar with this survey. However, I found the numbers just rather stunning. The prior business uncertainty index was 136.6. The actual was 222.5. So a huge jump in business uncertainty. This is for April, and that's obvious. obviously why. Uh, business expectations index in March was 83.7. In April, it was 47.1, so almost half. So uncertainty almost doubled, and business expectations were pretty much cut in half. So, definitely not good good news there. But again, uh, that survey probably was taken. I don't doesn't say when the survey was taken, but I'm sure that survey was taken before the latest round of stimulus. So, uh, hopefully, we'll see better numbers for May. And the final one and the big one, the granddaddy of them all, was first quarter GDP. First quarter GDP was or prior GDP for the fourth quarter of 2019 was 2.1%. Not so bad. Not great, but not not too bad. The consensus was for a 3.7% decline in the first quarter, and the actual was a 4.8% decline. So 
worse than expected. Now, let's take a look at the, well, I just want to show the number for consumer spending was 1.8% in the fourth quarter. Forecast was minus 1.5% in the first quarter. The actual was minus 7.6% in the first quarter. Much worse than even the worst of the forecasts in the forecast range. So very, very bad numbers on GDP. So what I wanted to share with you was the breakdown of GDP. Overall GDP, like I said, was minus 4.8%. That is a quarter-over-quarter quarter change at an annualized rate. And that was the worst since the fourth quarter of 2008. And it was all due to the big decline in consumer spending, which again was down 7.6%, twice as bad as the worst reading in Q408, mostly due to services. In, uh, investment was down 5.6%, and that was not even as bad as the number in quarter 4, 2019, thanks to still strong residential investment in the quarter. Exports were down 8.7%, the worst since Q1 2009. Imports were down a massive 29.8%, uh, nearly twice as bad as the worst reading in Q4 2008. And government spending was up 0.7%, driven by federal non-defense spending, uh, obviously primarily due to some of the stimulus measures that were coming out late in the quarter to combat the coronavirus and support the economy. And uh, meanwhile, uh, state and local government spending was pretty much flat. Okay, so now let's take a look at what was driving the market today. Obviously, it wasn't the, the news on the on GDP. It was uh, the main the main uh, driver was a, a piece of good news from Gilead Sciences, which uh, t said that their test of uh, an antiviral drug called Remdesivir met the key goal of the test, and they're saying that FDA approval of this drug for emergency use is imminent. I don't know how long that means, but that's good. They say the first 1.5 million vials of the drug will be free, and then they'll figure out what it's going to be after that. They said that the earlier treatment, uh, earlier treatment and a five-day treatment course with the drug was more effective than later treatment and a 10-day course, and that will allow them to uh, to uh, disperse more more treatment courses because it'll be fewer uh, fewer days that are needed. So that's fantastic news. We've been waiting for this for a long time, and that's why the market was up fairly fairly big today. And uh, that's good news for everybody. It's not a vaccine, but it's a it's a good start, a very very good start. Let's let's see how long it takes to get that drug out there and start getting some people healthy faster. The other big news today, well, kind of big news, is the Federal Reserve had their end, ended their two day FOMC uh, state uh, FOMC meeting. They held the federal funds rate range steady at 0.0 to 0.25%, and it will remain there until the economy gets back on track. The Fed has uh, committed to use the full range of their tools to support the economy, which investors like to hear. What else are they going to say, really? Um, but one one uh, piece of bad news was that the Fed said that the, unit, the uh, unemployment rate will soar, but will not come back down to pre-virus levels anytime soon. So we all kind of expected that, but there were there are some people out there that were expecting more of a V-shaped recovery, uh, and uh, this 
statement by the Fed chairman does not uh, support that uh, that forecast. It actually supports my forecast of more of a a square root kind of a recovery where we have an initial bounce back, but then a kind of a leveling off uh, below pre-virus levels of of economic activity for quite some time. And he said, of course, it will take some time for a sense of normalcy to return. So that was a uh, recap of the FOMC meeting, which is always big news, but today it wasn't much news because really not much happened. And when that happens, usually investors need to look further into the details of the report, which I just shared with you. So uh, another piece of big news today was that, uh, you know, I've been telling you about these problems with the food supply, primarily in uh, production of of meat products, beef, cattle, pork, or beef, uh, (laughs) beef, pork, and chickens. And Trump just signed an executive order to... Uh, classify meat production plants as essential businesses and to get them back up and running. Obviously, there's uh, a lot of controversy and a lot of uh, work that needs to be done on this, but um, the unions are upset about this because it it poses a risk to their workers. 20 plants have closed so far, and 20 workers have died from the virus. 6,500 have been sickened by the virus. So, This is a huge impact on the meat packing industry, meat production industry. Meat in supermarkets could fall as much as 80%. The supply of meat in supermarkets could fall as much as 80% in the coming weeks unless something was done, which Trump did. So it's probably still going to fall because it's going to take time to get these plants up and running again safely. And it's probably going to be at a quite reduced uh, rate of production. But they're going to do as much as they can to uh, to support the meat market here. Um, they, uh, another part of the of the order was to protect companies from liability in case workers get sick. So if if so, instead of companies paying for workers, whether it be for their for their health care or their time off or whatever, or any lawsuits, I think that's probably what it's all about is lawsuits, really. Uh, that the government will take care of that. I think that's pretty much what that says. The unions want PPE. Uh, personal protective equipment, daily testing, and physical distancing enforced, which is what they say is difficult to do in meatpacking plants. But you know, obviously, they know more than I do. But I, I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure why meatpacking uh, workers can't spread out a little bit more and wear protective masks or, or face shields or whatever. Uh, they're talking about taking temps, uh, staggering breaks, and having plastic shields between workstations, which I think you know would allow for. It would allow for them to keep their keep uh, the distance that they have right now, but without those those plastic shields, I would think they could still spread out. But maybe not. I don't know anything about meat plants, so uh, at least they're they're at least they have some good ideas as to how to do this. Uh, and then it says here that some workers have walked out in protest of safety conditions. So you know, how many people are going to come back, even if they're they're demanded to come back? I mean. What are you going to do if a meatpacking plant says you got to come back or you lose your job, but you're afraid that you're going to go back in there and get the virus and possibly either die or get one of your loved ones sick? What are you going to do? I mean, it's a very, very difficult decision to make for some of these workers. And like I said yesterday, a lot of these workers, uh, most of them are fairly low wage, in which case many of them may not have the greatest health care in the world. 
So uh, they're at, for some reason, healthcare primarily, they're, they're uh, more at risk for the virus. So you have these people who are at high risk of the virus going back to work in a place that has been previously contaminated with the virus. So, yeah, big, a big problem on, on both the economic front and the health front uh, for the meat packing industry. One thing I just wanted to mention uh, is that uh, several states are reopening this week and next week, and I am going to be personally tracking what's happening with those states in terms of when they opened and how much they're opening and what is the impact on on the, on the virus spreading. And uh, this has never been more important considering the fact that I just saw a headline that Germany after reopening their economy, is now seeing a rebound in coronavirus cases. So uh, it's like we've all we've all said, we all know it's going to be a risk. The only pro- the only question is how much of a risk, how much of a second wave are we going to see? If we're going to see a second wave at all, are we just going to see a little blip, little a small increase, or is it going to be another massive wave? That's that's the concern, and that's what everybody's going to be watching. Uh, but like I said before. The models that uh, a lot of these governors are looking at in terms of trying to figure out when and how much to open, uh, the main one being the IHME model from the University of Washington, doesn't even have a second wave in their forecast. That that really baffles me. Uh, like I said, I'm going to be attending a webinar on Friday or watching a webinar on Friday that is going to talk about the difference between the University of Minnesota and Minnesota Department of Health model versus the IHME model at the University of Washington. That's going to be very interesting. I'm I'm really going to be taking good notes on that and share my insights with you on that on Friday. Another thing I wanted to mention is that auto insurance companies are giving back money to their customers, either via refund, credit, or a reduction in premiums. Uh, travel is down 50% since stay-at-home orders enact- were enacted, so, you know, people aren't driving, so they're, you know, being nice, I guess, if you want to call it that, and giving money back to their, to their customers. I checked to see if my insurance company was on the list, and it is not. So I'm going to see if, uh, they are going to send out some kind of, uh, uh communique on that, if not, I'm going to have to call, and that's what you should do. It says here that the relief from auto insurance companies should come automatically to you without without you taking any action on your part. But if it doesn't come, you should contact your insurance company. There's a link to see if your insurance company is uh, planning on giving money back, but the link is way too long for me to repeat. So maybe you can just Google it. Uh, auto insurance companies giving money back and then list or something like that. Um, and it also says customers have leverage right now because companies are trying to hold on to their customers, obviously because of what's going on economically. And um, I also wanted to share a few notes on the webinar that I saw the other day from the National Association of Business Economics, which was all about business conditions. I'm not going to go through all the details. I could, but what's the point? Everything was just terrible. I mean, literally, the, the graph for almost every indicator in that uh, in that webinar was just terrible. 
But what I wanted to say was that it said that it was the worst survey results since the financial crisis, obviously. The survey is only three months prior and three months ahead. In other words, uh, the data that they show uh, were for three months, uh, basically January, February, March, and then the expectations in indices that are in the report are for three months ahead, and that's it. So it doesn't look any further ahead than that. Um, I asked a question as to why the stock market is is uh, is doing better than these numbers, and that's pretty much what they said because this was backward looking, whereas the stock market is is forward looking. So uh, this survey was taken April 13th to 16th, which was before the latest round of stimulus. So both the analysts and myself are expecting that these numbers should look uh, better, if not much better, uh, for the second quarter when that report comes out in uh, in July. Uh, it says that, the, let's see here, the, uh, yeah, that's okay. Um, oh, half of businesses say they can only last two months or less. Wow, that is that is pretty eye-opening statement. Uh, it also said that they were surprised that more respondents in the survey said that employment would rise in the coming quarter than fall. That's that's pretty eh, well. You know, I guess if we're all going to be reopening our states, whether it's going to be slow or or at a medium rate, nobody's going to be opening quickly. But you know, I guess if if we've you know maybe this says that we're at the bottom now and we're not going to lose that many more jobs. Again, like I've been saying, a lot of the people that have um, that have applied for unemployment benefits are not necessarily unemployed; they're just furloughed, so they won't be showing up in the uh, in the uh, April job losses. Uh, so, and um, because they're furloughed, they're still attached to their company. So, when it's time to reopen, those people will go back to work at uh, at a pretty pretty quick pace, I think, depending on if their company is going to be allowed to reopen. In other words, they're not going to have to go out and look for another job. They already have a job. So it just a matter of a phone call. Hey, you're back to work. Come back into the office. Come back to the plant. Let's go. All right. On to the coronavirus. Uh, let's see. Let's take a look at the, st the statistics here. Uh, for both the world and for the United States... The the uh, fatality rate was up yesterday slightly, six point nine four percent versus six point one six point nine one percent the prior day uh, for the world, and five point seven two percent versus five point six two percent the prior day for the United States. Uh, unfortunately, also for both the world and the United States, the rate of growth in fatalities from one day to the next, has started to uh, rebound. For the world, it was 1.8% on April 26th, April 27th, 2.2%, and April 28th, 3%. So, and, and for the United States, 2.1% on April 26th, 2.5% on April 27th, and 4.3% on April 28th. So while we were looking at a much lower uh, uh, growth of growth of fatalities over the last couple of days, now we're seeing a spike again. Uh, well, I wouldn't say a spike, but a noticeable rebound again. And if we look at the fatalities for the United States, uh, we had two days in a row of less than 2,000 for the 26th and the 27th, but the 28th saw 24, 2,470 fatalities. So almost double 
the prior day. So, man, we were looking at a really nice uh, you know, decline in the daily rate of death. And now we get this big jump for uh, April 28th. And, uh, boy, that's, that's disheartening. That's disheartening because we thought we were starting to see possibly the other side of the mountain here. And now it looks like maybe we aren't. And as of right now, uh, the death rate for the United States is 1,846. So much higher than, uh, than April 26th and 27th. So it looks like we're going back up to the higher range again for today when all is said and done. So that's not good news. However, uh, there's a possibility that uh, yesterday's huge number could be revised down because we've been seeing a lot of revisions lately. I always go back when I when I update my data. I always go back and make sure that the data is is up to date. And um, quite often, the revisions go back several days, and sometimes the revisions are quite big. So. It's kind of like the employment numbers when they first come out and then they have a revision. Same with the GDP that comes out and then the next time they have a revision. So these numbers are being revised up and down all the time. So, But I'm sure that the big spike yesterday was, uh, was statistically significant in the sense that any kind of revisions are still going to show a big, a big jump. All right, on to my uh, unemployment tip for the day. Tip number 13 for how to stay sane during unemployment under the second commandment of learn new skills. Tip number 13 is learn PowerPoint. So the last two days where we learn Excel, learn Word, and now learn PowerPoint. So the third uh, of the trifecta, the most used trifecta of the skills in the Microsoft Office suite. PowerPoint is highly used for presentations just copy and paste your your chart or your table, your graph or your or your 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 notes or whatever you want right into PowerPoint. Very easy program to learn to use, but it's very very much used in in all industries and in many positions. So if you haven't learned PowerPoint yet or you don't use it much, learn it or brush up on your skills in PowerPoint. That will keep you busy and will hopefully keep your mind off of all the other bad news that we've been seeing. That's what learning does, you know. It, it keeps your mind focused. It keeps you busy. It keeps you productive. And at least for a few hours, it keeps your mind off of all the bad news. Okay, that's all I have for today. I uh, just wanted to ask again if you'd all be so kind as to give me some feedback on my podcast. But I'm going to ask you something here. Instead of just going to my to my website to... Uh, leave some feedback I want to ask you a specific question what is your biggest struggle or concern regarding the economy right now is it you're worried about your job worried about finding a job worried about losing your job are you worried about that you won't get a raise anytime soon because of the of the economy you know the terrible economy right now is it, are, are you worried about interest rates? Are you looking for a for a for a house? Are you are you wondering when when you should buy a house or whether you should refinance? Are you uh, worried about um, what's going on with your children's uh, uh, college tuition? Are you worried about uh, starting a business? Are you worried about maybe closing your business down? What is your biggest struggle or concern regarding the economy right now that has led you to listen to my podcast? That's the main question that I would like to know.
And I'd like to know it too, because maybe I'm not addressing that big concern in my podcast. Maybe there's something that I can add to my podcast that would make it more valuable to, to you. So for this is all about adding value to you and providing a, a service to you to help you make better personal and business decisions or at least get more information on what it is that you want inf more information about. So again, what is your biggest struggle or concern regarding the economy and why are you listening to my podcast? And um, please give me that feedback at my website, www.edcashmark.com. That's E-D-K-A-S-H-M-A-R-E-K.com. And go to the podcast tab and look for the link to give me feedback. I'd really appreciate it. Uh, if you're listening right now but have not subscribed yet, please do so. Please spread the word to your family, friends, neighbors, and relatives if you like what you're hearing and you want to continue hearing it. And uh, again, you can look, listen to previous episodes for my previous uh, insights as well as my previous tips on how to stay sane during unemployment. And uh, tomorrow we have big, big announcement coming up for the uh, initial jobless claims that will we'll, we'll be seeing that number see how if it's a more or less than the 4.4 million we saw last week that is easily the the most high frequency data point we have right now in terms of figuring out what's going on with the economy what's the impact of the coronavirus and what's happening with within the job market um so when that number comes out we'll share that but i also want to share uh, a little bit more detail on that that i learned recently from uh, a conversation I had with uh, somebody who who works for the organization who tracks those numbers. So that should be pretty interesting for tomorrow's episode. This is Ed Cashmark, the Everyday Economist. Stay safe, stay sane. Thanks for listening. Have a good rest of your day.